Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Oh, Hey, hi, hello, welcome. This is the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast, episode 11. Um, it's hot as shit in my room because I had to unplug the fan and in my room. Uh, I got the room to myself, so that was nice, so I could actually record in here. I haven't done that in like weeks, 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 weeks. Not that downstairs is bad. Downstairs is actually pretty solid for recording. We'll see how this goes. Um, man, it took me a while to actually start recording just because, uh, well, yesterday, as of yesterday, uh, RIP my tablet, uh, it died. I was working on it. I was doing some story stuff on it and it died. So I went to go plug the charger in and the charger does not work anymore. It will not charge my tablet. And initially I was really fucking bummed and that like bumminess turned into anger as I went on to Amazon to look for the charger type to buy a new charger model. And then I was like, do I even still want this tablet? <laughs> like at this, I've had it for like two years. So I mean like, yeah, it probably is worth it to buy a new charger, but the tablet itself was only like $80. And that's usually what I record the podcast off of too. I'm recording off my phone right now. But, um, it's you, it was like $80, but the thing is, it's just like, yeah, it was $80. It lasted for two years. You kind of get what you pay for. I just needed something to type on at the time. And I think, oh shit, I just slapped the shit out of my mic. Um, (laughs) I think at this point I, uh, I should get a new tablet or something better to do my work on. Excuse me. Especially considering, um. Our project does have a team now, like we have a full official team. I keep saying I'm going to post the team up and I don't end up doing it either because I'm busy or like with yesterday, that whole situation with the tablet came up or, you know, shit happens, but, uh, it'll, it'll eventually happen. I'm actually waiting on getting some photos of everybody because I want to like post them up so every, you, you know, who's doing what role and whatnot, but, uh, I, I might update that in the art project page later, but since that's going to happen, I'm actually going to be sending in some uh, finalized character description slash profiles to the new illustrators so they can get started on some like concept work. And then I'll just send them like some terms and definitions, more updated world map. Luckily for me, even though the tablet did die, all the files for another random tale for the story I'm making that I need... I've emailed before, like just, you know, like testing chapters, ideas about the world and whatnot. I've emailed out before. So those files are still existent in those, in those emails, like those links. So I can still download that stuff and have access to it. Thank God. 
or else I would have to buy a new tablet charger just so I could transfer my files to a new place. But I think they're also saved on my OneDrive too. So it's just like, I, I like sat there and thought about it and there was nothing really on the tablet at that point that I still needed besides the stuff that I was just talking about, which I have access to in other ways. So I'm perfectly fine with just kind of letting it die. It did its job for two years, but, um, everything's transitioning over, especially hopefully leading into 20. I want to start, I want to say, I don't want to say we'll have a first issue ready. Cause I don't think so, but I want to say like, we'll really start working on making that first issue in 2020. Ideally, that's what I want to do. August has been like, oh my god, that's a helicopter. <laughs> August has been um, a month of like new things going on and new setups and whatnot for art project as a whole. But uh, we're like almost pretty much set up for it. We just the one thing that we got to do is find the time to do it. But we've been working on that too. I hung out with uh, some of the team last week. And we had a good old time, so we'll we'll try to get together again and work on more stuff as that goes along. But I, I feel like at the start of 2020, we'll, like, really start working on that first issue. Like, right now, like, these next couple of months, we'll be, like, discussing things, going over ideas, uh, getting concept art, all that stuff. Just getting stuff ready for it. Because I also have an editor now, too. Like, somebody's going to do some editing for the story, so that'll be really helpful to have like someone hands on telling me like, Hey, maybe you should switch this up or maybe you should give this idea more detail and whatnot. And, and everyone on the team is welcome to that too. So I'm excited to do that, but yeah, some RIP this, um, RCA tablet, uh, RCA makes good quality, cheap stuff. So if you need something to last you a couple of years, that is just going to do one single job. Cause all I did on that tablet was type. All I did on that tablet was type. I had, like, music on it that I would listen to, but I could always download that again. And, you know, the Podbean app. But I have it on my phone, so this is fine. Hopefully the audio sounds good. Hopefully I sound good. Because also I was having trouble starting the podcast today, too, because audio issues. So I, I use my headset, like my gaming headset, to record. And I use it, and I was recorded off the tablet. And the audio would be fine, like, as far as, like, really cheap amateur setup goes. Like, I just plug it into the tablet and speak through it. And when I played music, I would just download the music onto the Podbeam app. So then i just press a button, and the song would play on the podcast, like our openings. And um, whenever I had, like, a song I wanted to share to the podcast, I'd play it. And, you know, it's, like, low-quality it's not, like, the greatest thing ever, but I don't have a lot of professional setup stuff. For some reason, on my phone, my audio sounds fine. It does not echo when I talk like this, like I'm doing now. There's no echoing coming in. Because I'll listen to the opening. After I after I start the podcast, I do the opening. I, I pause it. I go over it to make sure there's not a lot of background noise. There is some, like, that, that staticky sound I know is existing. And that's just because I don't have a quality place to actually record like a room to do that. So that's something I want to look forward to doing in the future. And also, uh, just the whole nature of recording through the headset. But for some reason, like the, the audio is fine. Like me talking is fine. But when I play music, like if I play the opening or whatever song I'm planning to play at the end of the podcast, it echoes like the opening was echoing. I went over it and it was echoing hard as shit. Not only that, it was like 
kind of more staticky than normal. So I was like, fuck. And I was trying to figure out what was wrong. So I, I have an aux cord with my Bluetooth headphones now. And um, I just recorded, I just plugged the Bluetooth headphones in and played the opening. And it didn't echo, but it does sound more staticky than when I used the headset on the tablet. So you might notice that. I covered myself up with a blanket to try to like reduce all that extra staticky background noise and bleed as much as I could while playing the opening. It's still pretty apparent, more than usual. So sorry about that. Um, In the coming months, hopefully before the end of the year, I want to get a new tablet, like a better one, like an actual quality tablet. But that's going to cost me a couple hundred. So I'll probably just be saving up for that for the next few months. And then like as a Christmas gift to me, I'll just buy it. That way, when when we do start like really working on uh, another random tale and more art project stuff, I'll have a better quality device to work on that on. And also, um, I'll probably get one that I know I can get some better recording quality off of. Maybe get a mic, better setup in general. That's what I'm hoping for for next year. This is all very like, let's just do it. Like really spontaneous, explosive kind of stuff for the second half of 2019. But 2020, hopefully, some better stuff. So. Long, long intro aside, what was I going to be talking about today? Um, I said I was going to go over three new animes that I've been watching and that a lot of people have been watching that I've been really enjoying. Two just happened this season from the summer season release, and one is back from uh, spring that I was late on, but I'm glad I caught up. So the three shows I'm going to be talking about are the, the two summer series are Fire Force and Dr. Stone. And the series that came out in spring that is now about to be on episode 20 as of tomorrow, I believe. I believe tomorrow episode 20 drops. Uh, Demon Slayer, which is my personal favorite newer anime series that I've started watching this year. Besides JoJo. I started watching JoJo this year too, I believe. Or was it late last year? Because part five came out, what, winter of 2018? Was that when it was? Something like that? I think part five came out like late 2018. And it just recently ended. So around that point in time, like late 2018, early 2019, I started watching JoJo's. But as of like like new anime series that haven't been out as anime for like a couple of years, Demon Slayer is definitely a favorite one of the newer ones. Demon Slayer is awesome. Fire Force and Dr. Stone are great too. Don't get me wrong. I love those shows. That's why I'll be talking about them. And I might end up loving them more than Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer just has an advantage because it has 19 episodes of material. So they, I, I'm more invested in that world than Fire Force and uh, Dr. Stone. I think Dr. Stone is about to be on episode five or six. And then Fire Force is going to be on episode four or five. It's like an episode behind Dr. Stone. But uh, I'm just going to go over them, go over the basic plot, go over the characters, and why I think the story is interesting to me. Um, there'll probably be spoilers, especially with Demon Slayer, because it's so far ahead. It's like almost done with the season. And I think actually they recently said that they only planned a 26 episode season and that the factor for Demon Slayer returning for more seasons and more episodes is through fan support, like most anime, but like major fan, like they, I don't think they actually planned to make more than one season. I don't think they planned for it to get as big as it did. It was just like, yo, here's this one season anime adaptation of this manga. And it kind of blew up. Like, it kind of really blew up. I don't want to say My Hero Academia status. Maybe. Maybe. But I think My Hero Academia, like, planned from the jump to get a season two. 
But My Hero Academia season one was like 12, 13 episodes, something like that. It was, it was short. But it, it, my, I remember MHA like coming out as an anime and it blew up immediately. Like everyone fell in love with it. And I think that's the route Demon Slayer is going, but they have a 26 episode season for their first season. So that's, that's neat. That's neat. Um, but anywho, I'm gonna start off with Fire Force because, uh, I felt from, like, the start when Fire Force got announced and people were talking about it that I was going to like it just because it's made by the same person that made um, Soul Eater. And forgive me for not remembering their name. Let me look it up really quick. Let me look at it. Does it still record if I go if I go away? Yeah, it still records. It still records. Yeah, let me, let me just look that up on uh, the Googles real quick. Who, who is the mangaka of Soul Eater? Because they're the same people that are making person that is making Fire Force. So Soul Eater Writer. Uh, uh I'm gonna butcher this man's name. <laughs> Ats, Atsushi Okubo. Uh, I'm just gonna say Okubo. Uh, <laughs> Okubo is the writer of Soul Eater and Fire Force. And I think Soul Eater is a fantastic series, personally, coming from me. Uh, the manga series is, is, is fucking great. It's a gem. If you, if you've only watched Soul Eater and were disappointed in that ending, go back, uh, go read the manga. I don't care if, I don't, I don't, first of all, the manga versus anime wars is fucking stupid. Um, if you want to watch it, watch it. If you want to read it, read it. If you want to do both, do both. I don't see why one side needs to hate on the other side, but I will say that some people will watch animes that are adapted from manga. Most, most anime are adapted from manga. Some are original series, but, um, there's a lot of anime series adapted from manga series that end really awkwardly or have like these really weird or bad endings. And that's because either... They got ahead of the manga, they caught up to the manga, and instead of just waiting, maybe making a filler season, or just waiting to make a season two when the manga got a good chunk ahead, they just made their own kind of ending and ended the anime. So, like, a lot of those times people were like, yeah, I love that series, but that ending was trash. And Soul Eater is one of those. Soul Eater's ending is viewed mostly negative by the anime community. Uh, for Soul Eater's anime is viewed mostly anime ending is viewed mostly negative and that's how i felt too when i finished the leader because i watched it first before i read it and uh i was like wow that ending kind of sucked like i think it was damn that car is going fast uh i think it was like 15 episodes or not 15 15 episodes i think it was 51 or 52 episodes whatever what it is the second to last episode was 30 times more exciting than the last episode like the last episode sucked like, like they kind of had like this rushed final fight and like all of a sudden like Maka, like we knew she was part weapon. So the whole thing of her like activating that weapon half and using it for a minute was a cool concept, but they just did it in the last episode and it wasn't like she had a huge advantage. That still wasn't the thing that won the fight. She punched the Kishin and beat him with courage. Shit fucking sucked. Okay. That, that was stupid. We get it. Maka, Maka is courageous, but... That's not the thing that should have won the fight. Maka's courage should have led her led her to being 
more powerful and training harder and earning a better ability like she does in the manga <laughs> like soul because i because then i read soul eater's manga after i finished the anime i, I read it from the beginning so i i read read it from top to bottom and the first season of soul eater pretty much follows that that part of the manga even like a good chunk of the second season the second season changes a lot of stuff that happens during those events First of all, <laughs> um, in the anime, that dude that was uh, building the weapon with Brew, like making the giant, the school a robot, essentially, to go fight Arachne's castle, that does not happen in the manga at all. In fact, Homeboy that builds that, he actually dies in the manga. <laughs> and uh, he has a, th- he has like, kind of like this thing with, what's her face? I forget her name. The girl that turns into, like, the Thor hammer thing. She had a thing with Stein, too. But she kind of looks like she's about to have a thing going on with her. And then he gets killed. Like, he gets killed. Like, I think he was in the manga for maybe, like, all of four chapters. (laughs) So. And that mystery pops up. Um, The whole final act in Arachne's castle goes down completely fucking different. Uh, First off, the robot thing doesn't happen. Secondly... And Blackstar and Mufune's final confrontation at Arachne's castle, in the manga, Mufune dies. Like, Blackstar kills Mufune instead of just defeating him and Mufune become a, a teacher. That's one of the things I didn't hate about the anime, though. Because although I prefer Mufune dying because it has better impact on Blackstar's character and the story as a whole because because of that event... I like Mufune, so I didn't mind him living at the end of the anime and becoming a, a teacher at the school. Like, I thought that was cool. But in the manga, he, he passes away. Yeah, he gets, Blackstar kills him in their, their final battle. But it was important to Blackstar's character for that to happen, because that whole, like, rivalry between Mufune and Blackstar was like, Mufune was just a million times better than Blackstar, and it was more of, like, him entertaining Blackstar's potential. And Blackstar, like, building up that strength to finally like confront my mifune and accepting the darkness of the the shadow sword and overcoming it and like it was just really good writing for black star's character um kid does not get those three circles around his head he does some stuff in that arc but it's not really major to him he does get that stuff happening to him later but it's a lot cooler because of what it results into later in the manga and Maka's character is a lot better in this season, in that arc. Because, um, first off, oh, also the Kishin lives. And I, the Kishin lives through that, that, that battle. Like, there's like two full, full length arcs after that arc. There's like two more. <laughs> like, it does not end after the whole battle at Arachne's castle. But, um, also Arachne doesn't get eaten by the Kishin. The Kishin, I don't think we, I don't even think the Kishin was really involved in this part, honestly. Like, the main thing was what Arachne was trying to do, which I think is a lot cooler. I know I'm getting off topic, I'm gonna talk about Fire Force, but I have, this has to be fucking said. <laughs> like, so in the manga battle at the end of, uh, the whole battle at Arachne's castle, what is it called? Castle Baba Yaga or something like that? Um... Arachne's ultimate plan was to leave her body and fuse her soul kind of like in this like web that links to the madness wavelength that was going on in the world because you know how the Kishin released madness into the world when he was revived 
when he was reawakened. She was going to infuse herself in said madness and take over. And Maka uses the exorcism wavelength she possesses, which isn't a drop plot point in the manga. It kind of fucking is in the anime. It's like a cool first season thing for her to have an exorcism wavelength. And then in season two, they kind of just ditched the idea. Honestly, she doesn't really utilize it for much. But she actually uses her exorcism wavelength to physically or to destroy Arachne's soul, essentially, like kill her, even though she didn't have a physical body. And Soul eats her soul. So Soul ate 99 Kishin souls and the Witch soul. So at the end of that arc, Soul actually becomes a Death Scythe, and Maka was successful. So Maka gets character growth throughout that arc, and she actually gets stronger as a character because she actually produced a Death Scythe, which was one of her ultimate goals. So then Maka learns how to wield Soul as a Death Scythe. She can fly on him because essentially Death Scythes get magical powers because they ate a Witch soul. And I thought that was awesome. And then there were two more arcs. And I was just like, they kind of fucking ruined Soul Eater as the anime. I know some people don't mind the anime ending to Soul Eater. But I'm telling you, the manga is so much better. Go ahead and read that manga. The, those other two arcs, the characters, the build-up. I don't want to... I, I spoiled a lot already from that. But I'm not going to spoil anything after. Because I do want people to read it. And the dude... What's his name? I think his name... His initials were BJ. The dude that, that built the, the robot with brew in the anime that dies in the manga i'm not gonna tell you who kills him but it's awesome who kills him and he's the person that kills him is a much better character in the manga just because of the what what goes down it's just so much cooler it's just so much cooler altogether uh the ending is a lot more satisfying some people still didn't really like the ending and the ending's not like super great to me but it is satisfying like it's a conclusion (laughs) of sorts and it's not like, oh, we beat the Kishin with courage. Like, that shit was stupid. I'm sorry. But I went off on, like, a really long tangent. But <laughs> Fire Force. Uh, that's why I knew Fire Force was going to be great, though. Because Soul Eater is one of those, like, underrated gems of a anime slash manga series. Especially a manga series. So, and I, I, hadn't, I have not read it. Uh, I still need to catch up on manga. Like, the manga I currently read is... Uh, my Hero Academia, I'm a good couple of chapters behind. Again, um, Attack on Titan, even though that's monthly, I'm a good chunk behind because I haven't read in a minute. Uh, Blue Exorcist, I'm probably like two or three chapters behind. I caught up on that. And that, that series is like monthly as well. So I like to read like it about three ongoing series. I might read... Um, I might start reading Fairy Tale The Thousand Year Quest. I'm not like the hugest fairy tale fan anymore, but I did finish the original fairy tale manga, and Thousand Year Quest is pretty much just another arc of fairy tale. And I've heard like some positive things about it. Like I've heard a lot of people say like it is better than what fairy tale was doing. So I might give it a chance because I've only read the first chapter of Thousand Year Quest. So maybe that'll be another ongoing ongoing one I choose to read. But then like while I'm reading ongoing ones, I pick a series that I've always been really interested in or only watched the anime of, and I'll binge it. Like, I'll just read the... If it's completed, like a completed manga series, and I'll just binge through it and read it. And I used to love doing that, especially back in, like, late high school, like, early college. Like, I would, like... After I got home, did all my homework, did all that stuff, like, late night, like, or, like, two hours before I, I should have been, like, asleep because I had to get up for school in the morning. Like, got college courses that you paid for, bro. 
gonna be late but i would read like like shit like i read gaunts and gaunts is traumatizing <laughs> gaunts is a trauma but it's like so freaking terrifying you have to keep reading you're like i can't stop looking at this tragedy <laughs> read gaunts the anime is trash read gaunts <laughs> in my opinion if you like if you if you know what gaunts is and you like the anime you'll love the manga so much more gaunts is great manga last arc fell off a good chunk, but I didn't hate it. Anywho, um, so Fire Force. Fire Force takes place, um, this is probably going to be a really sloppy, like, summary of it, but bear with me here. Fire Force takes place in a world where people just started spontaneously combusting. That's, that's pretty much what they're saying. And this is me going by, like, spoilers as far as the anime goes. I have not read the manga, so I do not know what happens in the manga, but as far as the anime goes, what they've explained is that one day, people just started spontaneously combusting. They would burst into flames. And some of these people, well, usually all of them, when they burst into flames, they become these creatures called infernals. Infernals are kind of, I guess, like something you would akin, be akin to a demon, essentially, or a monster. And they would wreak havoc, destruction, kill people, this and this and that. So, a special group of people or organization known as the fire force was created. The fire force are like firefighters, but they fight infernals. That's literally what they, they do. So they fight infernals, kill them and pray and make sure their soul moves on. Cause they believe in a God, but the God is like the God of soul, like the sun, things of that nature. So the goal of the fire force is to stop infernals from wreaking havoc all over the world. Uh, and also to do research and study infernals to figure out, what is causing spontaneous combustion? Because if they know what's causing it, they will be able to find a cure for it. So the main character's name is Shinra. Shinra is... How old is Shinra? Let me Google it. <laughs> Sorry. No, fuck it. Um, I'm not going to Google his age. But Shinra um, apparently is a new Fire Force soldier. He's a new recruit, and he's joined Special Company 8, which is where we see our main cast of people. They're the Special Fire Force Company 8. And Shinra just graduated from, like, the academy where you train to become a Fire Force member and all that good stuff. And they have people in the world that are classified as, uh, what are they called? What is the, what is the term for them? I gotta look it up. I wanna look it up, because I wanna know what the term is called specifically. It's it's really fucking simple. <laughs> it's pyro 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 pyro. <laughs> They're like they have pyrokinesis essentially, and there's different like grades of it, like generations. So, um, I don't think there's first generations ones as far as I've seen so far in the anime. I don't think they've said what that is, if there is first generation ones, but I know that, uh, what's it called? Second generation fire, uh, fire, psycho fire. We're just going to call them fire users. (laughs) I don't remember the term. If there is a term, I feel like there's a term, but, um, they have like pyrokinesis essentially. So second generation ones 
can control flames that are already around them. So they can, like, if there's, like, a big-ass fire caused by an inferno, they can use their pyrokinesis to move the flames, control the flames, use it to fight, things of that nature. Uh, our boy Shinra is a third generation. And I guess third generations not only... Third generations have the ability to create their own flames. So Shinra can create fire. Uh, mainly from his feet, he, like, uses it, you know, to burst himself, like, boost of speed, do, like, fire kicks, things of that nature. And Shinra became a fire soldier and joined the fire force with the ultimate goal of becoming a hero. So it seems like a really shallow goal at the start when he's telling people about it, like the, the company when he first comes and gets re- joins up and he's introducing himself. And he also always has like this really weird, creepy smile on his face, like this devilish grin from ear to ear. But as we watch through the first episode, we find out Shinra's reasoning for why exactly he wants to be a hero in the Fire Force and why he has that smile on his face most times. And like the weirdest, most awkward moments. Uh, When Shinra was younger, he lived with his mom and his baby brother. And he, he... was a kid, you know, he's like, I want to be a hero, like this and that. And his mom, like, really supported that. She was like, yeah, you'll be a little superhero like a fire force. So lived a normal life of a kid. One night, a fire started in his house. His mom, you know, yelled, woke him up, yelled for him to leave, get out of the house, hurry up. And he also saw something else, but he doesn't know exactly what it was. Maybe some kind of infernal that started the fire. But his house burns down to the ground and the fire is so severe that there's like nothing left of his mom and his brother. Like they are burned down, even like the bones, like it's, it's really crazy. And people blame Shinra for the fire, essentially, because he, he's a third generation. And apparently I guess his power of flames is like really, really strong. So they, they automatically blamed him from the fire. Something happened. His powers went out of control. He burned the house down. So it's not like he's arrested for murder or anything because it's clearly an accident. It's a child. But he didn't do it. He knows he didn't do it. But people think he did. And Shinra has this this thing about him, like this kind of like nervous tick, essentially, where uh, in times where he's really like nervous or scared, instead of having that face, his muscles kind of tense up into that smile. So it's not that he's like happy or enjoying the awkward moment or the scary moment or this weird thing when people are ridiculing him, but it's more of like he's 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 nervous and his muscles just kind of lock up into that weird toofy devilish grin. So people know him as a demon, that's what they call him. And so he wants to be a hero just because of that memory of, you know, his family that he once had and also you know, to live on that dream, make his mom proud and succeed in his goals. He also wants to find out the source of spontaneous combustion as well. He wants he wants to get to the bottom of things. And that's kind of his goal. And that's kind of his motivation. And I think Shinra's an interesting character because of that. Because in all the promotional art, he has that devilish grin. Like all the promotional material for Fire Force and like the trailers we see him doing the smile. And you think that's just kind of his personality. He's kind of like this crazy hype, like, yeah, let's get it. And always has this grin. But no, he's scared. Like every time when he has that smile on his face, he's scared or he's nervous. But I think that's going to work for his character because in fights and in missions when he's saving people, fighting infernals, doing stuff to succeed, he's going to have that smile on his face and people are going to take it more as a confident thing, even though he's worried and he's smiling at all times. Like All Might says, you know, always have a smile. You're a hero. You know, make sure people aren't worried. 
but people see him as a devil, so that's something he's going to have to fight against. I find his powers really unique. He's a third generation, like I said, fire user. And the flames look like they only come out of his feet. So he does a lot of, like, fire kicks. He can use the flames to, like, jet himself into the air so he can fly around. Because he can control, like, the degree and, like, burst of the flames. So he can use that to fly, dash into bursts of speed, do all these crazy fire kick tricks. It's really cool. He's a cool character. I, I enjoy him. And it's still early in. So we don't know, like, too, too much about what's going on. But Special Company 8 does believe that uh, something's going on behind the scenes and people might know more about spontaneous combustion more than they're leading on. So then, uh, briefly, let me just go over the team for the Company 8 that we, we know so far. I think at least one more person is joining this season, at least, from what I've seen from the opening. But we have, what is his name? Akitaru Obi. And he is, I, I probably butchered his name, we're just going to call him Obi. <laughs> he is the uh, captain of Company 8, so he's the leader of that team. I personally, like, as far as the story's going so far, he is my favorite of the company, I think. Well, him and another person, I'll get to the other person in a minute, but he's one of my favorites. I really like him. He's the captain of the company, he's really confident. He has great leadership skills. He doesn't show a lot of fears or worries. Tough, strong dude. And he's cool. Like, he's he has a positive nature, happy, carefree. But, and he's strong as shit. Like, like his, like, kind of thing is, like, when they're always at, like, just the, the, the firehouse, like, their company house chilling, like firefighters do. Um, he's always just working out. He's always doing some kind of crazy workout, lifting a mass amount of weights, doing push-ups. Like, he's always training to get better and better. And he does not have any powers. He's just a Fire Force member. So he has to put on a lot of heavy gear to go into these fights and these fires with Infernals. Like, Shinra puts on some gear, but, like, he... I believe he's pretty flame-resistant because of his ability. Oops, excuse me. Oh, but he's not. So <laughs> he has to wear a bunch of fire gear to protect himself. So he has a lot of, like, weaponry made to fight Infernals. Like, these axes specially made to chop into them. Like, a shield to deflect flames off of him things like that so i kind of i like those kind of characters the characters that don't really have a lot of abilities so they have to utilize tools and tactics and tricks and stuff like that i enjoy those characters in those kind of stories which is why like obi like automatically seemed pretty cool to me so he's a unique character and he's always he's already been investigating like things going on behind the scenes with the other Fire Force companies and all of that stuff. Like, he he believes there's something going on. Like, even people might already know, like the higher-ups might already know the source to spontaneous combustion, and they're not telling people for some kind of reason. So they're already investigating. It's that early in that they're already doing that. And then you have the uh, company lieutenant, Takahisa Hinawa, and... He, He's he's an interesting character. Um, from what we've seen so far, we haven't seen a lot of him. Like I said, it's it's only a couple episodes in. I think a new episode comes out today, actually. But uh, the thing I like about him is his weird obsession with wanting to destroy Infernals. Like he fucking hates Infernals. All kind of, doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what you did. He fucking hates them, and he wants to get rid of them immediately. Like that's that's his main goal. He's a very, like, serious... I don't want to say stoic, because he does have some personality to him. But he is a, a very, uh... 
serious character. Like, he's like, hey, none of that nonsense. Listen when I'm talking to you. And he will strike fear into the hearts of any other member into the company, even the captain sometimes. Uh, at first, I didn't think he had any powers, but as of the recent episode, he, in fact, does. Because at first, in earlier episodes, it just looked like uh, he used artillery, like heavy artillery. He had, like, guns, machine guns. Like he, he used that. He would shoot in front of us. But he's actually a second generation, so he can control flames. And I think what's really sick about him is his powers, like the way he uses his second generation powers. Uh, when you fire a gun, you know, the gunpowder causes the explosion that shoots the bullet out. He can control that flame when it's sparked. And control the the power of said bullet. So he could shoot somebody just, you know, as a threat. But make the bullet non-lethal. Because he takes away some of the force of it. Like he shot Shinra in the leg. And Shinra was freaking out at first. But it didn't go through and there was no blood. Because he reduced the pressure. He can also control the direction of the flame. So he can, like, cause his bullets to ricochet. And if they hit the ground and cause more sparks. He can cause further ricochets to do all sorts of cool attacks. So I, I'm I'm excited to see more of him because I think that's a really unique ability that I haven't seen from a character in an anime before. So I thought I thought that was dope. Um, next up, oh okay, so this is my favorite character actually. Her name is uh, Maki uh, Oze Uze. She's a second generation and she's a member of the Fire Force. She's she's a more seasoned member of the team and she used to be in the military armed forces before she joined the Fire Force. And we don't know too much about why she joined up with the Fire Force after the military. I think she's, like, kind of briefly discussed it, but not too much. And, um, I think... Maki's just cool, right? She's like this, uh... I think she's, like, 19. She's super fucking ripped. And, uh, even though she's a second generation, she's more like hand-to-hand combat. Like, she kicks ass. Like, she knows all these military hand-to-hand combat techniques, during some training and sparring, she beats up Shinra and another dude, both who are third generation, by herself, it, without the use of her abilities. And she's also a second generation user. She's also very gifted. And at first, it looks like she did the bit basic uh, ideas of pyrokinesis. Like, she, like, can shift flames around. Like, Shinra, like, uses flames to dodge and burst into the air. And she used her abilities to kind of, like, shut it off, and he fell. But she can also summon, like... I guess they're like infernals or like kind of like flame spirits, these little flame sprites. So she's kind of known as like this like witch like character in the Fire Force. And even like her little fireman hat looks like a witch's hat. So I thought she's like a unique character because she has the physical aspect where she can do hand to hand combat, but she also kind of has the magical aspect with her flame spirit summonings. So I thought that was cool. Also, I believe they had a reference to Bobobo because she summoned a giant flame spirit and it was called Bobobo Bobobo. So I was like, oh, was that a reference or is that a real thing that actually is in like lore? But I don't know. She just seems like an all around cool character because she does have a bubbly personality. But also like since she is really muscular, she's not like giantly ripped but she's in shape like clearly because of the armed forces thing so sometimes she'll take people like dang you're buff as she'll automatically take it as an insult like like they're calling her like some kind of gorilla or monster and that's not the case usually uh the next character i believe yeah iris iris is a nun and a lot of fire force companies have nuns because uh there's that spiritual aspect of with the infernals like when they kill the spirit the guy the people the person that 
spontaneously combusted, they pray for their soul to move on peacefully after they kill them. And she's also a medic within the Fire Force. Not a lot is known about her as of yet. It looks like we're learning bits and pieces as of the recent episode. It looks like she used to be a nun at some kind of church, but some event happened. Something happened. The ending even kind of hints at it, so I, I think more events will unfold and we'll see more of her character. She's very, very nice. She's a very sweet little young lady. Um, she doesn't have any powers. Like I said, she's just a nun. So she has basic fire medic kind of uh, skills. She's the medic of the team. So she's more of a support, helpful person. And she prays for the souls to move on before they, they kill homeboys. So that's that's pretty much Iris. We don't know a lot about Iris. And then lastly, the latest person to join the team is Arthur Boyle. Arthur Boyle is a rival to Shinra, and I guess they actually went to the same academy, and he is also a third-generation fire user. Uh, Arthur is kind of weird. He's kind of, like, dumb and kind of has his head in the clouds. He believes himself to be, like, some kind of knightly king. And I think it's funny because his name is Arthur. But he he's a tough dude. He's strong. He's reliable. He's capable. He's just... Not the smartest dude. I, w- I don't want to say smart. He's more of a spaz. That's what it is. Because he's always referring to things in a, like, oh, knight, oh, gotta protect the castle princess thing. So he kind of has his mind in his own little world. But I find his powers really unique because he's a third generation fire user like Shinra. But instead of just shooting flames around, he channels it into this sword hilt. And he creates a blade made of fire plasma, like plasma. So he can use it to like slice through walls, slice through infernals. So he's a swordsman, essentially. And we just saw him do some cool shit in the latest episode. So looking forward to seeing more of uh, my boy Arthur doing some cool, cool, cool shit. So that's the company. That's their abilities. They pretty much go out, fight infernals. And this company specifically is also looking for a way to end spontaneous combustion more so than the other teams. And they believe there's some corruption going on with the Fire Force. So that's already a cool little story angle. Like, they're the good guys, but there's corruption going on in their organization. And currently, they're actually in a fight with another fire company, and Iris is being held captive. And the leader of said fire company seems to have some kind of past with Iris. So I'm looking forward to watching the episode today. I'll probably watch it after this. But, uh... Yeah, that's that really quick. So um, I'm going to go over Dr. Stone really briefly just because it's a lot more straightforward, I feel. And then we'll get into Demon Slayer before we wrap up. But um, Dr. Stone is cool. It's not it's not a shonen series, but I I think that's what's refreshing about it because it's really interesting. Even a lot of people that I know that are um, more exclusively shonen fans are really enjoying it. It's more of like a science thing, kind of like... So the basic story is... It was modern day world. Everything's cool. And there's these like, uh, I believe they're high school students. And the main two characters of Dr. Stone, uh, you got the main, main character. His name is Senku and he's a weird looking kid, but he's very, very smart and he loves science. And he, you know, believes every problem can be solved with science. He uses his head a lot. And then, uh, he has a good friend of his that goes to the school named Taiju. Taiju is kind of stupid, but he is really spirited and has a good heart, and he's kind of like the muscle of what we see in the story in terms of, like, not fighting, but in terms of just, like, raw strength. And the first, the episode starts off with, uh, Taiju finally going to admit his love for another character in the story named, uh, 
Yuzu, I believe her name is. I believe her full name is like Yuzu, Yuzuria, but I'm just going to say Yuzu because I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right or not. I've been watching all these subbed. I haven't watched all, any of these dubbed. Not that I don't mind a dub. It's just like I'm watching it currently as the episodes are coming out. So, of course, I'm watching it subbed. But he's going to admit his love to her finally. And as he's really about to do it, a green light flashes in the sky. And as people are looking, everyone in the world is suddenly, without any kind of warning or reason, turned to stone. There's no explanation. There's no reason why. A green light just flashed all around the world and everyone was suddenly turned to stone. But it's like people and a specific type of like bird, I believe. And years go by, I think it's like 3,700 years go by or something like that. And Taiju awakens. Like it's like a whole montage of Taiju being like stuck in stone, but he still has consciousness. And all he can think about is Yuzu. Like his will for like remembering yuzu and like he still needs to confess i guess is what kept him conscious even though he was encased in stone so he finally breaks free and he's walking around in the world and he runs into senku and apparently senku has already been awake for a good while now he also broke out of stone he kept his consciousness consciousness because he was literally counting the seconds he was encased in stone so he counted essentially 3700 years in seconds and that's how we know it's been that amount of time has passed because Senku counted. Most of the, everyone in the world is still encased in stone. The only thing that's roaming around are like animals and nature has flourished again. So it's pretty much like this big open wild like world. So it's like the stone world. And Senku's ultimate goal is to find a, like the miracle cure to break them out of stone. Cause they kind of figure out the basics of it early on in this first episode. And he wants to use it on humanity. So he wants to break humanity out of stone and they're going to rebuild humanity from the ground up essentially using science. He's like, we're going to take all these years of evolution and we're going to do it in a fraction of the time. We're going to rebuild humanity just like that. And it's an interesting story because you, you get a lot of scientific know-how They're figuring out stuff. They're learning more about this new kind of stone world. And the villain happens to be another character that they break out personally because they were in a situation where they needed to. And it was kind of right place, right time thing. And what's his name? Tsukasa? Yeah, Tsukasa. Yeah, yeah. Tsukasa Tsukasa Shishio. And he's known as, like, this famous fighter. Like, back when the world wasn't stone, he was, like, this famous, I believe. He's, like, a high school student, but he's incredibly strong and an incredibly powerful fighter. And he's actually has pretty, like, above-average intelligence. But he was going to be, like, the physical, like, the protector of, of their group. Like, so while Taiju was, like, pushing stuff around, breaking stuff down for experiments, and Senku was the brains, uh... Sukasa was going to be their their protector, like the dude that would fight wild animals off for them, do the hunting for food and things like that. But as Sukasa and Senku are talking about motives and goals in this new world, like he, he Sukasa's like, "Hey Senku, like you really intend to bring everyone back, even like grown-ups?" So Sukasa kind of has this skewed view of humanity that like a lot of the adults in the modern age back before the stone world thing started were pretty bad people and they were poisoning the youth, this and that. So pretty much he wants to 
make a clean slate of the world, especially now that it's been revived in the stone world. And he suggests using the revival fluid exclusively for people that aren't adults. And then they're just going to crush the stone, the people encased in stone that are adults to get rid of them. Then all these kids will grow up in a new age with new lessons, new morals, new concepts. And when they grow into adulthood, they won't be like the previous generation. So Tsukasa is fucking crazy. Like, like his heart's in the right place, but he's wild. Because we, um, through Senku's knowledge, we know that the revival fluid works somewhat, but he's still perfecting the formula. But they have a way to break people out of stone. They just don't have a way to mass produce it yet. And, uh... Senku has experimented, so he knows for a fact that if a person's, like, encased in stone is already broken into pieces, if you use the revival fluid on them, they're just going to be a mass of body parts, and they're going to be dead. So if you break someone when they're a statue still, they're going to die. They're done. Like, that's it. You can't bring them back. So Tsukasa is going to go around doing that, and he wants Senku to, you know give up on reviving the adults too but senku's like no i'm gonna bring everyone back that's the goal like every like pretty much he senku believes that everyone deserves to come back we deserve to bring back humanity that's the ultimate goal whereas sukasa believes that why not just restart the world with only younger people so we can avoid all the problems in the past if you bring people back even the adults all these issues are just going to sprout up again. So it's kind of a moral conflict between these two characters. So I don't know how long Tsukasa is going to remain a main villain, but at least for season one, he's going to be the main villain because now they're running from him. Because Tsukasa is also kind of like a kind nature person. He honestly doesn't want to kill Senku and Taiju at all. He actually sees Senku like he says, like at one point in the series, like, cause it's still early in, he even says, it sucks because he's never had a friend before. So he was like, if they met before everyone got turned to stone, like if he had met Senku and Taiju and Yuzu before this happened, he actually would have considered them his first friends. He would have considered Senku his first and only friend. But now they're enemies because of this moral standpoint. So now the goal is to bring back humanity, figure out what's going on in the world, find the source of what turned people to stone in the first place, and stop Tsukasa from killing all the adults and becoming this new kind of twisted moral king of the world. The thing about Tsukasa is he's super fucking strong. Like, we're not doing, like, Shonen standards, like, oh, he blows up a planet, but he beat up a lion with his bare hands. It was kind of terrifying. They know they can't beat him in a fight, and even Taiju, like, was able to, like, block one of... Tsukasa's attacks which was impressive Taiju is not a fighter he does not like fighting at all so he's not going to fight but he is pretty strong in terms of raw strength so maybe later like he'll evolve into more of like doing fights I don't know I don't know if he'll change his morals he's he's a really kind-hearted person Taiju is low-key <laughs> or Taiju is one low-key one of my favorite characters in the show his name is Taiju right I'm saying his name right please tell me I am yeah it's Taiju Oki but Dr. Stone is, is a refreshing kind of series just because um, it's it's not that I hate Shonen and I'm tired of Shonen, but it's nice to see something different getting a lot of shine in terms of like the mainstream world. Because a lot of like 
American anime fans on the mainstream, mainstream stage. I'm talking like top tier mainstream stage. Not like mainstream, because there's mainstream and that's a wide variety of anime, you know, like what's ever popular within the community at that time. And then there's like publicly mainstream for people outside of anime. So, you know, like Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, One Piece, Yu-Gi-Oh, things like that, which isn't bad. I hate the anime fans that think that's a bad thing. Like, let those be mainstream and let those be popular. That brings more traffic to them. That brings more profit. That brings more money, which brings more product to the community as a whole. And if you don't like those series, you don't have to watch them at the end of the day. But I'm sorry no one wants to watch your really obscure anime series. That's just <laughs> or read your really obscure manga. That's just how I feel about it. Everyone has their opinion. But it is a breath of fresh air to see, like, a series of this, like type and genre like an anime of this genre really get as big as it has in this short amount of time like it was it was getting hyped up before because it's a very popular manga series too apparently so um i like it a lot like i said i'm mainly like i've said it before i'm mainly a shonen fanboy like i i mainly watch and read shonen i watch shonen anime mainly read shonen manga i'm into the action but i'll watch or read anything that catches my interest like, uh, one of my, in my top 10, it's like number 10, but it's still in my top 10, Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. And that show is about a, a kid in middle school growing up and getting into rock and roll music, learning how to play the guitar, joining a band, and them trying to get big. Like, it's a 26 episode masterpiece, and it's not a shonen. <laughs> Far from it. It's... It's one of the more realistic anime series you can watch. It's it's very grounded in reality. It has, like, you know, that fantastical kind of storyline, like a, a story will have, but it is grounded in reality. It's not, like, supernatural or ridiculous over-the-top things happening. Solid series. You guys should watch it. It's 26 episodes. It's fucking great. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where Dr. Stone goes from here. And I wonder, is it going to be a 26-episode season, or is it going to be, like, 12 or 13? Because I like it a lot, dude. <laughs> like, I, I really... It's one of those series that really hooked me. If you can hook me with, like, a cool, interesting plot, like, I'm, I'm kind of into it. Or music, because I love music, which is why I, f I fell in love with Beck so quickly. Like, that, that, that anime series caught my attention immediately. But, um, moving on... This is uh, the last one we'll talk about, and it is actually my favorite current series going on. It's not from this season. It started in the spring, but it's uh, I just recently started watching it around the same time I started watching Fire Force and Dr. Stone, and that is Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer is the shit, okay? <laughs> like, it's really good. I don't want to be the type of person... God damn, a lot of loud vehicles are driving by today. I don't want to be the type of person that, like, hypes stuff up too hard and kind of spoils it for people. But it's so good. It is so, so good. I'm excited for episode 20. I might start reading it after the season ends because it's it's really good. Um, and, and the main character is really refreshing as far as shonen characters go. Like, the main character of this series is a very refreshing shonen protagonist. And I'll, I'll get into it a bit, but uh, the plot of Demon Slayer takes place in, like, you know, the olden days of Japan, the feudal Japan, people wearing the kimonos, walking around, samurais, things of that nature, but demons do, in fact, exist in this world. So the main character is Tanjiro, 
he, I believe at the first episode, he's like 12. And I think it time skips a few years, like it montage time skips like two years. So I believe at the current point now, the anime, he's 14 or 15, something like that. But, um, he's a young boy and he lives with his mom and his four siblings. I believe he has like two younger brothers and two younger sisters. And they live up in the mountains, like this snowy mountain place, and he sells coal for a living. So, you know, people need charcoal for their fires and stuff down in the villi- down in the towns and whatnot. So he'll, time to time, gather a bunch of charcoal, walk down the mountain, go into town, and sell charcoal. And go home. And that's how they make money. And he's a really nice boy. He's very kind. He's smart. He's a gentle dude. And he gets the job done. And he loves all his siblings. All his siblings love him. Jesus, can we not today? Oh my god. (laughs) That's like the fifth like loud thing speeding down the road. And a helicopter. I think we've had two helicopters. So loud. But um... (laughs) All the siblings look up to him, and they love him, and they seem just like a really happy family. The father doesn't look to me in the picture. He has indeed passed away, but, you know, they're still happy. So the first episode, he goes down, he sells the charcoal, he's on his way back up the mountain. It's getting late. Uh, so this old dude that he knows that lives near the base of the mountain's like, hey, nah, come in here, you sleeping over for the night. He didn't, he essentially didn't want Tanjiro walking up through the mountains at night because the demons come out at night. He's like, sleep here for the night and you can go home in the morning. So Tanjiro does that. Tanjiro has this unique thing about him where he has a very, very strong and impressive sense of smell. So he can smell specific things, specific scents and whatnot. So he smells something strange as he's coming up the mountain and it smells like blood. So he gets to the top of the mountain to his house. Everyone is dead. His whole family. And I know this is spoilers, but this is ep- this is episode one, dude. This is the this isn't even that far in yet. This is episode one. <laughs> he gets to the top of the mountain, and his whole family is dead. His mom is dead. All his siblings are dead. He's shocked. He does not know what's happened. He's panicking. He's freaking out, and you're panicking and freaking out because you're like, "Holy shit! This episode is only like." 13 minutes in, why is everyone dead? And it, apparently it looks like demons came in and killed his family last night. So it was a good thing Homeboy told him to stay and sleep over because he probably would have been slaughtered too. And it, as he's looking over his deceased family members, just bloodied and dead. Like, it's 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 kind of unsettling to watch just a bit because the kids are dead too and they kind of have, you know, like the thousand yard stare in their eyes and it's like oh fuck dude like they're they're gone like that quickly but um he finds out that one of his siblings is still alive i believe she was the second oldest in the family her name is nezuko his younger sister so he picks up nezuko she's still breathing but barely she's bloodied and beaten and um he starts running down the mountain it's going to take him hours to get down the mountain and it's snowing pretty hard And it's cold as shit, but he wants to get down the mountain and try to get to a doctor as soon as possible, maybe saving Nezuko's life. Is then we find out that Nezuko is in fact not really alive anymore, but she kind of, she's, she essentially has turned into a demon. So whatever happened, she got a lot of demon blood put into her and was turned into a demon as a result. And... 
Tanjiro is coming. Tanjiro is trying to come to terms with that. And, you know, she's trying to kill him. Like, he's a demon. She's a demon. She's, like, attacking him, trying to kill him. She has no sense of control. And as this is happening, he's trying to hold her off and get her to come to her senses somehow. Uh, a demon slayer shows up. Like, our first demon slayer we see in the series. And his name is... Giyu? Yeah. And Giyu shows up, and he storms into the scene, knocks her away, and he's just like, what are you doing when, you know carrying around a demon and whatnot and he's he kind of he he's he's stoic he's a very stoic character because we're not supposed to know a lot about him yet but according to him he was on his way up to try to you know see the situation and search things out and i guess he came too late to stop the demons from attacking tanjiro's family and so he's like you know i'm sorry but he's going to kill his sister he's going to kill nezuko she's riling around like this wild monstrous animal and Tanjiro's like, no, 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 no. Like, Tanjiro, Tanjiro's like, no, you're not going to fucking kill my sister. And he's, like, crying, begging him not to do it. He's like, I'll find a way to, you know, cure her. And Ginyu's like, no, no, you're not, kid. I'm sorry. I'm going to kill your sister. Get out of the way. I don't want to have to hurt you, too, for protecting a demon. So Tanjiro is trying to do his best. Tanjiro, Tanjiro. I'm sorry for my pronunci- pronunciation of names. I am very American, but uh, Tanjiro is trying to fight him off, and it's failing miserably. He has no experience fighting this man. This man is a trained swordsman, and he's trained to fight demons, and he's just knocking Homeboy away over and over and over, but Tanjiro doesn't give up, and he finds the resolve to do one last ditch effort to attack. He throws the hat- his hatchet into the air but he distracts uh, Giyu from really noticing that happened by throwing a rock at him and hiding in the trees. And it looks like he's going to rush Giyu with his hatchet, and Giyu takes him out with, like, you know, like, a non-lethal attack, knocks him out, and then Giyu's like, wait, he doesn't have the hatchet with him. It's then that you realize he threw the hatchet in the air, threw the rock as a distraction as he threw said hatchet in the air, and it was falling down right on Giyu, and Giyu moves out and it stabs into the tree. Giyu is then impressed by Tanjiro's, you know, resolve to really go as far as to protect a demon. Like, the demon is his sister, but it's still a demon. So he's really impressed by the resolve that the lengths Tanjiro would go to to try to fight a pointless battle. So he puts some kind of... And, and even Nezuko shows, like, anger towards Giyu for attacking her brother. So, like, she's still some, somehow some kind of, like semblance or consciousness of herself left and uh he puts like some kind of scroll or seal into her mouth to like i guess kind of keep her at bay and he tells when tanjiro comes to he tells him to go meet what's his name pretty much a dude that will train tanjiro in the art of swordsmanship and becoming a demon slayer he's like if you're gonna walk around with her and try to figure out a cure you need to become a demon slayer to have the skills capable of even going out on this quest which is why tanjiro starts training to become a demon slayer so we get two episode like two three episode little montage of tanjiro's training and his test to uh see if he'll go into becoming an official demon slayer he of course passes it he trains with what's his name Sakanji. Sakanji Uru. 
or could you Sakaji? Sakaji. I'm so bad at pronouncing Japanese names. It's awful, especially as much anime and manga I've like consumed. Like I'm half good and half awful at it. Like some names I fucking kill, and then others I just can't. Um, but Sakaji uh, trained him for two years, and. So, once we get past those points in the episode, Tanjiro then travels around the world, going on missions, or travels around Japan, going on missions, slaying demons. All the while, uh, he carries Nezuko in this little special box during the day, because demons uh, cannot be in sunlight. It's kind of like a vampire thing, like they're weak to sunlight. Sunlight will kill them. The only two ways to kill a demon are to cut their head off with the special sword they get, which is made out of a special, like... Or it's specially forged and crafted, so they have to use that sword to decapitate them. Or sunlight. Those are the only two ways to kill, kill a demon. Like, you can cut off limbs, or limbs will regenerate, things of that nature. And also, Nezuko Nezuko, uh, sleeps a lot because she doesn't eat people. Like, the way demons survive is they eat people. So when she exerts herself a lot, she does a lot of sleeping because... That's how she recovers her strength. Instead of eating humans, she sleeps. So while she's in the box, assumingly she's sleeping. And during the night, she'll come out. Because she can't be out in sunlight. She's scared of sunlight. And so Tanjiro is traveling the world slaying demons. So it's a very simple plot. I just think the thing that really pushes it forward... Well, for the anime, there's two things that push it forward. The The animation is gorgeous. This is probably the prettiest anime I've seen all year. Hands down, it is gorgeous. It is stunning. Um, there aren't ugly. There is a bit of CG that I've noticed, and the the it's not bad because they use it pretty sparingly. But I think the only issue I have with it is the fact that once you notice one scene that has CG in it, you notice every scene that has CG in it. Like it's, it's obvious. Like, so it does kind of break away from the immersion. And a lot of the scenes that are CG, it's like, why, why are they see? It's like a lot of them aren't even action scenes. It's like these weird, like angled shots of like somebody walking away or walking into a building, like an overhead shot. And I'm like, why is this CG? Like, (laughs) Like, why was it necessary for this to be CG? But then like a lot of like the coolest action scenes are just straight up animated. It's it's like really backwards. Like there was one scene at the end of an episode where Tanjiro was leaving on his way to his next mission immediately, and as he's walking, like the whole like scene is animated. It's fully animated, but he is CG. He's like a he's a three D model, and I can fully tell he is. And it's just like why <laughs> why is he a three D model? Like I don't fucking I don't understand. Like if somebody like knows about animation because i don't know about that stuff too deeply please let me know why they're doing that but it seems like for the scenes that would be so unnecessary to have cg like scenes that be easily animated like that it's cgi and it's just like and it's painfully noticeable at some points but like i said once you notice one you will notice every single one it's like a curse i cannot avoid it now i notice every moment of cg and like a lot of them aren't bad like i feel like that scene like i just described of him walking and waving of him being a CG model and everything being animated. I feel like that was the worst one. And I think that was the first time I noticed. And I kind of went back and looked at other stuff. I was like, this is fucking CG. 
it's weird. It's weird. It's weird decisions. But <laughs> other than that, like actual like animated scenes, like which is ninety eight percent of the show, gorgeous. The way they animate the stuff, because I guess demon slayers learn swordsmanship techniques. They go out and train and learn under a master. I am sorry, somebody just tried to call me. It was like a random number too. I hate when it does that. I should have put my phone on like airplane mode or something. Sorry about that. But um, they train under different sword styles. Like Tanjiro, I forget what his sword style is called. But it's pretty much, um, they learn a certain form of like breathing, each one of them. It's like a different type of breathing that goes with the swordsmanship skill. And the way his master was explaining it to him, it's... It's like total concentration breathing. It's a special breathing method you do in battle, and it helps uh, circulate the blood and expands the blood vessels more. So it enhances like your speed and your strength. So you can actually be on par with fighting demons in those moments where you're doing the total concentration breathing. So on top of that, you get special techniques or forms, they call it. And Tanjiro's whole training in swordsmanship form is based on water so his moves are all based off the idea of water so their names are like striding tide water surface slash things of that nature and it works for tanjiro's character because tanjiro i think somebody in an anime group i was in best described tanjiro as a what is it a gentle savage, a compassionate savage, <laughs> which is, which is what Tanjiro is. He's a very, like I said in the beginning, he's a very kind and gentle kind of person. He's nice. He shows remorse, even when killing demons, like he'll kill them because you know, they've done wrong, but he's sad. Like he shows like remorse in his face when he, when he does end up killing them because it sucks because people do become demons and he, he's forced to kill them and things of that nature. So he, he's a very compassionate soul, but when push comes to shove and he needs to fight, boy, (laughs) that man is savage. He's doing all kinds of tricks. You can see the passion and rage in his eyes during a fight. It's it's very, he's, he's a very refreshing character because he has a lot of, uh, personality to him. Like he has a wide range of emotions. He can be kind of a jokester. At times, he can be really kind, really... Like, he he feels human. He feels really, really human. And not that, like, every protagonist or every character in a shonen doesn't. It's just, like, he feels like the the writer took a lot of time to make this character feel as real and relatable of a person as possible. And that's one thing I can appreciate from him. And his sword style fits really well with him because, like I said, it's, it's water, the idea of water. So, water is a very gentle thing that can be very raging or violent, depending on the situation or depending on the place you're at. So, that's what a lot of his sword techniques are based off of. Like, water wheel. Like, he'll do, like, a kind of, like, this vertical, like, moving, like, slash. Like, he moves in a circle in the air. Water surface slice is this very uh, straightforward sword slash that's, boom, like, the water surface. He has a thrusting one. He has one that's kind of, like, him moving with like the water current things of that nature it's really it's really cool and the way they animate it is i don't think like the demon slayers actually have powers it's just you know them using those techniques based on the, those ideas 
but the way it's animated and i'm pretty sure they probably do it in the manga too like they show it they show like a representation of them using the breathing technique but like 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 when he's doing a technique they animate like the idea of water forming around his sword so when he does a move it's like all these this water kind of like animation goes around it when he does a slash and it represents that movement or he has one like a waterfall i think it's called waterfall basin and it, it, they show like this animation of a waterfall and i don't think that thing is actually happening i don't think he's actually summoning water just magically out of his sword but they're just animating it to show that representation and the beauty and the grace and like the skill you have to have to use those techniques and I really, really like that because it shows you the fluidity of it and they're taking advantage of the animation. Like, it's really, really beautiful the way they decided to to do that. And there's other there's other characters, too, that we see other sword styles. I, I won't get too much deeper into Demon Slayer because I'm probably going to end in a little bit. But um, he, as of now, he does have companions that he's now traveling with. Uh, one of them is a boy named uh, Zenetsu. Zenetsu is very, very different from Tanjiro. Zenetsu is a complete and utter coward. He's <laughs> he he's a demon slayer, but he he's a he's a coward. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to go out and slay demons. Every time when he goes on a mission, he fully believes he's going to die. So he he you know he wants to get married before he dies because he wants his legacy to carry on. This and that. He's very spastic, kind of loud and annoying because he complains and whines a lot. And he's, a, like I said, he's a very different character from Tan- Tanjiro. He's a good guy, though, push comes to shove. He is a good person. He's just fucking foolish. And he knows, he knows he is. He knows, like, he's w- he's weak mentally, and he's a coward, and this and that. And he doesn't want to be that way, but he just, he can't help but to be that way. And a lot of people love Zenetsu, especially, like, people that have been reading the Demon Slayer manga, because they're ahead, so they know stuff that happens. But the unique thing about Zenetsu is that he did train really hard under his master. He kind of got tricked by some women and he owed a debt. So when the dude showed up, he helped him get out of that situation, but then forced him into Demon Slayer training. And the the thing about it is he trains under a, a lightning breathing kind of style. And that has three forms apparently, but he only knows one form. He only knows the first form of this style, and he doesn't know the other two. He He's completely inept at them. And it took him a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of practice even to learn the one he does know. But his master's just like, hey man, even if you only know one, that's okay. You take that one thing you know, and you master it and make it better than anyone else has ever used it. So the cool thing about Zenetsu is... He'll get scared or frightened to a point where he'll he'll just completely pass out. <laughs> it's happened twice so far. These are his fight scenes. So he'll like pass out, and I guess in his sleep, due to like all the training he's been through, and he's trained so hard just to master this one technique, he unconsciously goes into kind of like this battle, this calm battle mode when he's asleep. So he it's like a he'll he'll pass out and it's like he's sleepwalking, but he'll get up. And he'll get into his sword form, and he'll fuck shit up. And he only knows one sword form. I believe it's called Thunderclap and Flash. And it's really cool, because it looks like the lightning breathing technique is going to be more based on, like, quick-drawing techniques. Like, 
drawing the sword, slashing, and then sheafing your sword immediately. Like, that kind of style. At least from what I've seen from the, the first form. But he's all about speed. He's all about moving, getting the job done, ending the fight. Like, he, he he's a one-shotter kind of character. Both fights he's done have pretty much been one-shots on the enemy. But the thunderclap and flash technique essentially is... He does his lightning concentration style breathing. He gets into like this really low stance, like he's about to dash forward, ready to draw his sword. And he moves like as fast as lightning. That's essentially what it is. He's moving like super, super fast. And the way it's expressed and animated is all this electricity flows around him. And it's like a stream of lightning around his body as he dashes by like in the blink of an eye, draws his sword, slashes an enemy, sheeps his sword. And the person is like done like completely finished it, all his his two fights so far technically have ended in the blink of an eye like his second fight dwelled into like his character past a little more that's why we know he only knows one form but he's mastered it to such a high degree so i believe it was called like the first time we see him do his first form it's just thunderclap and flash but he prepares for the technique that one technique the second time so well like the form it's it's like a tenfold thunderclap and flash. Like, he only knows one technique, whereas Tanjiro knows all ten of his. But Zenetsu has honed his one technique to such a degree, it's extremely fucking powerful. And he, he only can get into this state of mind when he when he passes out. He doesn't even realize he's doing it sometimes. So I feel like Zenetsu's arc is going to be growing as a person to the point where, like, he consciously can put himself into that state of mind, and over time he'll stop whining and being annoying. Like, he's going to grow as a person. Like, I know a lot of people find him annoying, and they don't like him, even regardless of, like, his ability when he is passed out. But it's like, he's only he hasn't even been in the show for every single episode. He came in, like, I think, like, episode, like, 10 or 12 or something like that. Like, he, he came in way later. So... You gotta give him time to grow as a person. He can't just immediately grow out of that personality. What's the point of introducing him with that personality? Like, you have to give him time to grow as a person. But, but that that's his character. He also has a huge crush on Nezuko. <laughs> he wants to marry Nezuko. And then, um... The last of the, the three... I'll get into Nezuko too, hopefully, really quick. The last of the three, the, the main trio we have, is a boy named Inosuke. And Inosuke is, again, a very unique character because it seems like he was raised in the mountains, but he was, it seems like he was raised among, like, wild beasts and whatnot. Like, he, he was born and raised in the wild, apparently. That's what it looks like. We haven't gotten a lot of backstory with him yet. But, uh, apparently the only reason why he's a demon slayer is because he didn't even train under a master. He just bumped into some dude and beat the shit out of him and took like his sword and i guess he went to the exam and did pass it but it was purely by chance like he he wasn't even trying to become a demon slayer pretty much (laughs) but uh he has like pants and like shoes but he doesn't wear a shirt and he wears like i guess like the hollow carcass of a boar's head because that's what his style is based off of he has his own self-taught breathing style he calls it beast breathing and he wields two blades. He he he's a dual wielded uh, sword user. So he has like these wild beast like techniques. He's always yelling and raging in the battle. He's very ag- aggressive of a fighter, but he does have good form and swordsmanship. Like he is a good fight. He's not just some wild nigga with a sword. Like he actually can fight. 
but his fighting style is very wild, like that of a beast. And like even with hand to hand combat, he fights very low to the ground, like a wild boar. And he's just kind of like this loud, aggressive, high spirited character. He's always down for fighting. He's always down for that action. Um, but I think the coolest part about him is kind of like his character personality because it looks like the way he's growing. It's like he hasn't interacted with a lot of people. He doesn't understand a lot of customs. Like, he doesn't understand, like, kind of, like, kindness or thankfulness towards others. He just kind of sees that as, like, why the hell are you doing that? Why are you being so nice? Why are you praising, like, things like that? And he gets really flustered by it because he doesn't understand it. So his whole character growth, I think, is going to be learning how to be like a normal person, but kind of, like, accepting those things and kind of growing from it. So I think the cool thing about the trio is that they they contrast very drastically from each other, but it's that idea of uh, opposites attract. They 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 work well together because they're so different from each other, and I think we're going to see a lot of that aspect from them as the series continues, and they're going to grow off each other as people because they're so different and i like i always like that in a story i always like when characters are like that drastically different from each other but then kind of work together so well because that's how people are in real life you you want people then don't i don't want to say necessarily think differently from you. you don't want like too drastically opposite of opinions sometimes but you do want people with different opinions from you with different mindsets with different thought processes and personalities because that's how you learn and grow as a person you don't want people the same. You don't want necessarily everyone to be exactly the same as you. That's kind of how you put yourself in like a really close-minded space, and you don't learn anything because you 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 only think how you think because everyone thinks how you think. So even if you're wrong, you're always going to think you're right. So you don't grow or change, and you're supposed to grow and change as a person. So I think they hold that aspect of actual friendship really well in the writing. And I wanted to get into Nezuko, but I'm about to run out of time here. I'm probably going to have to end it in just a second, actually. But I just wanted to briefly discuss, like, three anime series I've been in. I did kind of waste a lot of time getting the Soul Eater, but I ain't mad about it. (laughs) Um, But anywho, uh, yeah, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. That's pretty much going to wrap it up. Uh... So go ahead, and if you are interested in anime, which you should be if you're listening to this podcast, go watch Dr. Stone, go watch Fire Force, please go watch Demon Slayer, especially after anime episode 19. Episode 19 got widely praised for not only its animation, but the writing of it, the action scenes. It was a good fucking episode. It even got, like, super big and trending on Twitter. Like, it blew up. So, I think uh, the studio that makes it that's animating demon slayer actually like globally like thanked everyone for all like the positive feedback and praise they've been giving that episode and the series in general so i hope to see great things from demon slayer as a shonen um and it's the all these series are definitely holding me off before uh my hero academia season four comes in because i know that season's gonna be real fucking good because i i've already read that arc in the manga but anywho that's gonna do it for me um come through every week I do a podcast every friday uh next week we're going to get back into our yu yu Hakusho analysis and we're going to be talking about the dark tournament so tune in for that follow me on art projects facebook page just straight up called art projects 
we got a YouTube channel where we also put all the podcasts up. It's just straight up called Art Project. And hopefully we'll have more Another Random Tale news coming up. I keep that updated on the main page. So look forward to seeing the full team. Hopefully soon enough and some concept art hopefully within like some point in September or October. So thanks guys and I'll see you next week for part one of the Yu Yu Hakusho Dark Tournament analysis. I'm actually rewatching those episodes now as we speak. So see you guys next week. Oh, and we're going to close out with a song, of course. <laughs> it's the, the Demon Slayer opening. So, hope you guys dig that. Laters.
Okay, okay, okay. So- song aside, what? I am sorry. I was <laughs> listening uh, over the podcast again, just checking to make sure everything sounded good. Um, I it It's hot as fuck in my room. I said that before, but I, I turned the fan off too to get rid of more noise. It's hot as fuck. I did not realize my breathing over the mic was so fucking prevalent. <laughs> I was like, you can hear every breath I take. And I don't like it. It makes me really uncomfortable. And low-key, I wish I could do this again, but I kind of don't... It's not going to feel as natural as before. It's going to feel really forced and rushed and kind of bothered. But I am so sorry that my my breath... Like, hearing me breathe is so strong over this recording. And it might just be because my phone records better than the tablet. I don't know. But uh, 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 I'm so embarrassed. Uh, I need to get better recording equipment soon. Um, First, we need to get the tablet first. Baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Hopefully by 2020 I have better recording stuff. This is real small shit. But, yeah, I'm sorry that... This podcast sounded really awful. Because of that, I, I, I feel like my breathing probably ruined everything. It probably didn't, but... Just wanted to say I, I I know. I heard it. I'm sorry. But I'll see you guys next week for the Yu Yu Hakusho analysis. I'm just going to record downstairs next week. It's way cooler down there than up here in my room. It's not as fucking devilishly hot. And I don't think I hear the cars as well. I, 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 I'm rambling. I'll I'll see you guys later. <laughs>